Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being the Work. I'm Ben Wire, and this is a podcast that is about exploring the ways that our personal lives get brought into being a professional helper. Today's episode is a special episode. It is the last episode of season two. And so we just want to say thank you so much for all of your support and your listens. We see you guys out there and uh, we really, really appreciate this. Doing this season has really just been such a pleasure to be able to meet and talk with and dive into just the lives and the experiences of other people of why helpers become helpers and the humans behind this we so easily get objectified and commodified by our mental health system and people have a very difficult time understanding what it's like to to be us and to do what we do. We live in worlds with other people of being present for pain and it affects us personally. It can cause a lot of stress and strain. It's difficult and, and we, we rarely get paid really what we deserve. Uh, today's episode is an episode that Blakely and I recorded trying to find a a space where we could meet other people uh, in person, we tried out the library. And so we weren't expecting to actually record an episode, but this became a topic and an exploration of the influences on this topic around finances, about general influence of money, and our relationship to it and the way that impacts the systems we work in, the system as a whole, just enhances the reasons why we need close relationships to be able to understand one another, to be there for one another, and be able to link arms going forward in any kind of change that would help us not feel so objectified, othered, uh, commodified and actually be able to have some really lasting change in society and in our clients' lives and our lives as well. And anyway, we just want to say thank you so much for the time that you have spent with us. As always, you can find us on Instagram. Being the work is our handle. If you want to support the, the pod, go and give us a review. Uh, let us know what your favorite part's been, any five-star review will really help us get out there and, and reach other helpers that may be going through similar stressors and experiences of strain and fatigue. We really are very passionate about this, this project, and, and we are doing this out of the minimal free time we have. And so if you also would like to support the pod, you can go to beingthework.com support. And you can donate and, and give us a tip. That would be incredible. That would be so amazing. Yeah, we just want to say thank you. Uh, season three will be coming out um, just in a few months. So this episode will drop July 10th. We will be back in around September. So we've done some interviews already. I'm editing those, those interviews now and... We're planning out some other episodes. And so, yeah, if you 
have any desire to share your stories, uh, to be a part of this conversation and to bring some of you to any of this, uh, we would love that. Um, I would imagine a lot of you are, are thinking, no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that, but, um, you're important and your story is important. And we, we appreciate what you do and we, we want to celebrate you and bring you, bring your story out, uh, into the world. And so we would love to hear from you. Email us being the work at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to just connect. Even if you don't really want to be on the, uh, on the podcast yourself, you can email your story to us. But yeah, we just, we really care about helpers and it is amazing work that we do. And we need to be celebrated. We need to be lifted and we need to be supported. Um, self-care is an objectifying message that we typically get. We're typically scared into just trying to be ethical. And we rarely, rarely are celebrated. We, that is what we are here to do. So you take care. I hope you all are doing well. May you know the vibrance of your humanity. May you know the wonder of your talents. May you embrace the compassion and the joy that you bring the world by helping other people through their suffering. May you know the relief of the pain that you are in the presence of, and may you know a gentle pride. <clears throat> may you know a gentle pride in the ability to bring a little bit of light to another person's life. That is a, that is a, a loving kindness and compassion practice. Uh, that I just wanted to offer you. So anyways, without further ado, we're going to get into this, this conversation about money, how it affects us, and the overall system that we live and work in. I was thinking this week, just like philosophically, I really want to stop calling what I do mental health. Hmm. I want to call it mental sickness or mental illness. Because most of the stuff I do, well, at least most of the ways that people refer to my job or the, what, what I get paid for, mm -hmm. like the people who pay me, are paying me to treat mental illness. They're not treating me for health. Well, because we've socialized a whole system where no one who's actually well seeks out mental health treatment, mm -mm. even though we know that everyone pretty much should. Right. Like your mental wellness benefits from attention. Right. And care and right. teamwork. Right. A collaborative approach to your wellness. Mm -hmm. Well, then why don't we just have an episode that is, what the fuck do we call ourselves? What do you call your, like, what, what do you mm -hmm. tell people you are? And mm -hmm. how does that change in different settings? Right. Cause at a hoo hoo party, mm. I might say I'm a social worker or I might say I'm a therapist or I might say, and why? Or am I a helper? Am I a mental health professional? Mm. Or am I just a, am I a qualified a mental health consultant? Professional? What do you do? I just am a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> what do you consult on? <laughs> um, business things. <laughs> right. Well, Brainstorm. it depends. It depends on what deliverables each 
business needs. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Huh. Because well, like, I mean, is the problem in what you call it, or is the problem in who it's marketed to? Like, well, it has to be so bad before, like, nobody will go to therapy. Well, I feel like until it's a last resort. Right. Exactly. And by then, well, and everybody so, thinks like, everybody thinks you have to be crazy, right, to go get help. Well, and then by the time you go and get help, you're so desperate for a quote unquote fix, right, that you're not there for the actual process right. and then it's a anyway. very long-term process right i mean the the whole thing is like we don't tr- we don't deal in prevention mm-hmm. we deal in illness like and well, that's we that do that to get so paid. Much interesting we do that to get paid but we don't do that to but that's not what we want to do I, that's no. not what i want to do no and it's not what i set out to do but it's just the it's the terminology of where we found ourselves right so, and that's the system. Right. And it's just another way that we mold ourselves to fit a system that's broken and doesn't work anyway. Right. So Which then is, we're amazed when it doesn't work. I want to say, broken. I want to blame all of that system. I want to blame that system for my burnout and me buying into it as well. Cause like the big, big the trivia. like, so burnout is like the, hopelessness, apathy, ineffectiveness, right? And it, like, is a slow build. And mine built from, I think, the time that I started practicing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to prove myself and I want to... Mm-hmm. But also, like, when you get out of your master's, right, like, you, you are told that you're prepared, <laughs> but you're really not. And right. so then there's a lot of learning on the job and constant uh but also people look at you like you are the prof- you are the professional expert because you've got the license right but you really don't know what the fuck you're doing well because it's not <laughs> the fact that we're not prepared i think it's just the expectations are so out mm. of line mm-hmm. what you're expected to do with the preparation right. you have isn't it just doesn't line up right we're entirely prepared we're intelligent educated Oof, what a spin thank you <laughs> it's another way that that imposter stuff becomes our problem. Absolutely. We aren't the problem in a system that doesn't work. Right. So the system does very, very strongly yes. contribute to our burnout. Absolutely. Because it's a constant juggling act of doing what we're going to do anyway. Like the, tre- <laughs> the work that I do with my clients is what I'm going to fucking do anyway. It's everything True. around that True. that I do to mold to someone else. True. Absolutely. It's you, not the work that like burned me out. You're I can, sitting there. I can easily say that. You literally can't say exactly what you did in session. You have to like paint lipstick on a pig. Well, yeah, we colored and talked about her shitty boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So, but then I have to turn that into interpersonal skills. Right. And like. Uh, I have to put a six dimensional thing into right. a two dimensional product. And that's what's actually hard. Like, I don't mind working with very, very fucking sick people, but like everything around it has made it impossible. So I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think a big part of the conversation is advocacy, mm. right? Because like, what do we actually do about it instead of just sitting here complaining about it? Right. And the people y'all listening is like, what, what, 
that's what I would be thinking is like, okay, I'm, I'm listening here. Yeah. I'm listening yeah. to Ben and Blakely but then what? and going, yeah, that's right. That's right. And now what? <laughs> well, we just get pissed and yeah, fuck it. go on with your day. But like, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't either. And it's like, a unionize? <laughs> Can we just create a professional helper union? Collective we all go on, go on strike and say, change it or we're not working? <laughs> I think there's definitely something to it. Especially, I mean, because we've worked in one of those communities where the organization we work for is utilized to minimize the visibility of suffering in that community. Like an affluent community still has mental illness, still has homelessness, still has poverty. And so when part of your job is to make that hidden, then you're constantly oriented to that stigma. And so how do we get out from under it ever when that's another layer of what's expected of us? When that is not what we signed up for. It reminds me of the episode earlier in the season when you said... um that we support everything. We support mm-hmm. every bit of society. I stand behind that because I want to ask all of these fucking people who are in charge of all of these things, who's your therapist? I need to have a word. Your value system is fucked. I think there's, yeah, there's so many different ways to go on this, but like, I keep going back to my experience of, I don't know, before, before being a professional helper and after, before I was naive, I was idealistic. I really wanted the world to just heal. And saying that sounds naive, but I wanted, I knew what it was like to feel alone. And I didn't want people to feel alone. And I knew that together we're better, right? Just idealistic. Getting into the work, it, my, my goals transitioned to from, you know, togetherness and healing and care, like the, my ethic of care changed a bit to more of, I need to be an expert at this. I think the influences were like me feeling like I want to be the best ever and my own little like ego arrogance, but also that's the currency that was dealt in the places I worked right. and the system. Like the better you are, the better referrals, the more like reputation you get, the better. This leads me to wonder how do you think our foundations, the way that I, even our like, education and training are set up how do those prime us for falling into those pathways of seeking achievement in these i mean that's all a part of it it's like how many a's can you get right and it's just like gold stars and pats on the back right that operates in those kinds of like token rewards yeah you're you're waiting for people to give you token rewards through your whole career and then you realize there's no more rewards god but we've We've taken that same kind of token system and on top of it, the burden of responsibility we've acquired is the, it's like actual life and death. So mm. we 
we're bartering with people's lives to get mm. our money and to get our achievements and to get mm. our recognition and to get our reputation. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, that's the work though. Like that's sort of what we signed up for in the first place in just like being a human and being a professional in this work. That's what we do. Like, well, cause I don't think it's us or our clients that are at fault. I think that it's no. an awareness of the other players that they can objectify all of that and take advantage right, exactly. of Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is like when, when you, you actually put meat on the bones of the story that you're telling, we are humans who come into this work for very personal reasons and very personal motivations. And then we want to be in those spaces to achieve wellness with another person. Like we want people to be well. We want people to be healthy. We want them to heal from their illnesses. And we want to be a part of that. That's not, that's a altruistic, but also like selfish desire. And so like, that's not the problem. The problem is, is when it, it gets flattened down and objectified. Well, that's what I mean. The ways that it's taken advantage of. Yeah. By things more powerful than us. And, and I, that's the issue with commodifying health. Prevention is not, like prevention and actual wellness is not what we're dealing in. Prevention isn't profitable. It can be. It's the same as, it's the same as what we say. Like we all bitch and moan. Like there's just no money in mental health. Fuck that. There's money. Mm-hmm. It's just not being routed and channeled to us. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The money exists. The people that we, we in our democracy have elected to represent us don't. So what are we doing about that? Any kind of collective thing that we could do to push forward the progress that we actually need and the people we help actually need. But we're our own worst enemies because we're against each other most of the time because these systems have turned us against each other to fight for resources, to put us in the fucking helping hunger games and we got to cut each other's throats to get fed. And that's why, and that's why we can't unionize because what they have mm. taken and objectified and taken advantage of and tokenized into money is our yeah. feelings. Hungry and the one games, feeling yeah. that we're going to feel if we decide to choose ourselves is fucking guilt. We feel too bad leaving someone hanging. Oh shit. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. That was low hanging fruit, but then it, it hurt. Yeah. That was, but it made the point. <laughs> I mean, that's the moral dilemma. Like, that is the moral dilemma that I, I mean, I felt that in my bones. Usually I do those on purpose. Oof. God damn. So we we hold it. We take it. Because we're not taking, (laughs) we're not going to push more suffering out of the people that we've taken responsibility for. Shit. That is the reality, though. That is the actual reality. That, yeah, that's a harsh thing to say and even put out in the world, but it's less harsh than actual reality. We are willing to think about it and other people aren't and they count on us being the ones who are willing to think about it. I think that that fear is what is manipulated for me to not want to fuck with the system. When every time someone says, Oh, I just don't know how you do it is another layer of, Ooh, you chose that. So that's your problem. Not our whole collective problem. Like, there's a kid in my brother-in-law's a teacher, and I know a kid died of an overdose this week, and it's in the back of my mind. Not a community I work in, not anything I know about, but it's just a, a thing that's there. And 
that's a community problem. That's a huge problem. The mm-hmm. fact that like people are dying of their own hands is everyone's problem. Right. I thought, but these are all the idealistic things that I thought about society before I started doing this, before I had my own children, before we had fucking Trump for a president. Mm. There is stuff that I've had to face up to and have my face shoved into that makes me think differently about what my personal responsibility is and what the collective societal responsibility Mm. is. I don't think that that's different, but I think that it's not being stepped up to. I still think the responsibility is there, but I think that we are fucking failing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why. I mean, the thoughts I've had right now as you're talking, I'm just like, uh, if I am, if I'm spinning my wheels, really trying to keep a, a rhythm of helping my, helping my caseload, then, you know, at the end of the day, like I saw a meme uh, on Instagram this, this morning and it was, it, the, the caption said, after six hours of therapy, I can finally relax. Mm-hmm. And then this bald guy looking at you, all sinister, going, "Are you sure about that?" And underneath his face, it said notes. And I'm like, <clears throat> "Right, I'm exhausted after my job. The mental and emotional effort to engage in people's traumatic content and distress is exhausting, mm-hmm. and I need to get paid." And I need to document so I can get paid. I have been problem solving for six hours. I need to rest and get ready to do it tomorrow. I want to fix the system. I want something better. I want more prevention and I want more wellness in society. But then we're talking about big things that are very difficult to change and very slow to change and therefore need persistence to change. But the resources and the energy and the focus, the trust in other people, (laughs) I mean, all of that is big question marks and big problems that if I don't have someone telling me the solution, it's going to be very difficult to motivate me to get to the solution because there's so much personal investment and problems that I have to solve add on to that. If I'm burnt out. Well, yeah. Cause as you're talking, that's what I'm thinking The and I know, cause this is what I did because I think so many of us are aware of just how much there is out here in the universe to fix. Like mm-hmm. we're more aware of that anyway, because of how connected we are. Like we've gone beyond even being able to think about a village. We think globally all the time because it's in our face, but the easiest way for us in our professions to get out from under that existential dump of holy fuck, the whole world is melting down Mm -hmm. is by sticking to what sticking to our work, the way that the system has handed it to us. They've taken our shit from us, repackaged it into the hour by hour, all by yourself, Mm -hmm. bill it, or it didn't happen situation. We didn't design that. No, but by taking that and using it and saying, Look at how worn out I am from doing this all day. Mm -hmm. I can't even write down what I already did, let alone consider doing something else for anyone else out there except for these six people I saw today. Because I'm going to see six more tomorrow and six more the day after that. And then I'll have a day off and Mm -hmm. then I'll see four more on Sunday. And then I'll see Mm -hmm. six more on Monday. And it'll never Mm -hmm. fucking end. One person, one hour at a time, I can say I'm changing the world. 
and right. it's not good enough. Right. But if they keep us in that system out of our communal responsibility, then we will never actually collectively get together and change anything. And that's how they want it. Yeah. I mean, of course they do. And I'm thinking of they as, you know, the heads of insurance companies. Yes, me too. And then also I'm thinking... Because we've handed them the keys, the keys to our entire society. Well, I, you know, I think, I, I think of just like uh, group therapy theory uh, and theories of like that, where it's just like the, the person that is going against the norms, the group will try to bring them back into the norms. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that, that dynamic is just going to happen. I mean, it's cognitive cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just want like the mind wants harmony and hearing dissonance or experiencing dissonance is, is the difficult part. Like it wants it to change it back to, Ooh, no, that's uncomfortable. Okay. I mean, it's, it's always been hard to be so hyper aware of what our minds are doing. Right. Of course. Like we know that we're Mm -hmm. a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. We know that we're not addressing what we need to. We know that our brains are, are cleanly severing off all the shit that we just can't deal with because we just can't deal with it. Whether we should or not. Mm -hmm. It's just more than I can handle. I think adds to burnout. Absolutely. Because I know I have been in the constant for years. Again, it's not my clients. It's the stuff that no. they deal with that neither of us can no, solve. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not, the resources not. they can't get a hold of. It's mm-hmm. the 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 shit that I have to deal with and how much time I have to take to do it that I'm not actually doing what I'm good at. Right. So I'm thinking of uh, actual definition of burnout right now, and I'm and I'm there's three of those things. There's depersonalization, emotional exhaustion, and pointlessness or helplessness or feeling like you're not being effective. But I've been pulled back right. from. I mean, I can say I still work, but it is at about ten percent of what I did before, mm-hmm. and I can't say that a lot of that is better because now I'm just I've shifted my focus to all the shit I was ignoring all that whole time. Right. Like it, I have no faith in humanity or our society or our it's, system. It's all breaking down. It's all dying. It's all dying. It doesn't fucking matter. Hopelessness. Yeah. I'm curious, but yeah. no, I'm not hopeful. Hopeless. And I don't think I have the evidence to be hopeful. And I'm doing some radical acceptance of hope isn't the point. Hope is unicorns. Like, great. They might show up. I don't know. <laughs> My six-year-old fucking thinks so. I don't. But she gets to keep believing in magic. This is from the professional quality of life, like measure manual. Okay. Burnout is one element of the negative effects of caring that is known as compassion fatigue. Do I just have a burned out personality? Like, was I just already burned out when I was born? Because I'm starting to think this is just who I am. Most people have an intuitive idea of what burnout is. From the research perspective, burnout is associated with feelings of hopelessness and difficulties in dealing with work or in doing your job effectively. These negative feelings usually have a gradual onset. They can reflect the feeling. There, the gradual it, onset. I, I just, I, it, there, it was just, it's just always there. <laughs> the gradual onset. Uh, reflect the feeling that your efforts are making no difference or they can be associated with very high workload or non-supportive work environment. The gradual onset for me was, I I don't know, it's like over time, 
my idealism and my original goals, what brought me here mm. was not even the support from the bigger system, from where the money comes from, from how other like professionals in nonprofits or in help mental health centers or, or hospitals or whatever like that. Right. Our common spaces, you know, cause I've, I've, you know, worked in, in drug and alcohol. I've worked in mental health. I've worked in nonprofit in home, out of home, in the community, out of the community. Like I've worked everywhere. And it's amazing what's consistent between all the different settings. Cause I have two. And I think we've made a lot of those moves seeking something different. And we find so much of the same in entirely different places. The, gradual onset part is for me was my goal of becoming an expert that was a early change from my original goal this slow insidious like not realizing that the system is not set up to help or facilitate or support my idealism Mm -hmm. and then overall seeing like Having that question, it was like the first time I had the question of what am I doing and why am I doing this? <laughs> like, it doesn't seem to be solving any problems. You know, it, I think it was probably 2015 or so okay. when I started having those questions because I was working alongside case managers and they seemed to be doing the same thing I was doing where it was like problem solving situations for clients and trying to coach them to do different coping skills or different behaviors in those situations. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it was like teaching them or or teaching them how to navigate systems that didn't really want to support them in the first place. Right. And so when I'm trying to like mental health them, really it was well, you're not quote unquote functioning mm. in the community. So I'm going to teach you how to play by their rules. Right. And, and, and so any way, any natural way that they didn't fit into those rules or those rules were unfair, that was part of my burnout too, was oh. what's the fucking point? Right. <laughs> right. So, so I want to be an expert in this. I want to be like the best therapist ever <laughs> and then okay. inherently kind of knowing that's bullshit, Ben, but also another part of me going, well, that's the only raft I can hold on to. That's, <laughs> that's the door that's floating it's in the, the middle of the ocean. Like you can control it. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Cause I could read the DSM all the time and God knows I did. Of course. And that was your, <laughs> that was the door you clung to. <laughs> then then I can go, raft. I can go, well, a diagnosis is symptoms over time and intensity. And, you know, what functional impairment does that cause? Like, then, uh, then I think it was 2018. I had this epiphany that was like, yeah, Ben, but what about you? What do you bring to the room? You're making all these choices. You're thinking you're like the best. No one, ass- everything. You like can assess things and diagnose things and yes. all this. But what if your perspective is not right? Oh, and I go, you oh, have some bias. oh, no. Oh, my God. 
it was an existential crisis. Yeah. Well, when something new clicks in, you can't help but do that reflection back of, yeah. shit, what would this have added yeah. to my perspective before? Right. Who was I, bl- who was I wearing blinders for that? I don't have those on anymore. Damn it. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it's the unconscious bias stuff that really flooded in and going like, you don't know yourself. But then this but is the thing, right? That's, the, this that's so another cyclical. thing of the, the imposter syndrome of you're not good enough. Right. And it was the same feeling I had when I got into the profession and I had a license, I had my master's degree and I didn't feel prepared. But the thing, like you said, expectations were higher than what resources I had. And fuck that. Your expectations of the system that was going to support you in being who you thought you could be. Right. And doing the work I could do and helping people I thought I could help. And did you ever take a moment to grieve all the loss of all Mm. of those things that you thought you were going to be supported to do? No. Or did you just put on your no? Lanyard, that's what this is in your now. Car and go to the next home visit where I'm you in... were going to look out for roaches <laughs> crawling across your big toe and just act like it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Because yeah. the last thing I'm going to do is make this person in front of me uncomfortable in their own house just because exactly don't like bug. they live here. I will push push my disgust away and shake my coat out when I leave. Oh, and that was just the first emotion mm-hmm. I practiced pushing away, and that was because I worked in child welfare. Mm. Disgust was one I was not exactly prepared to deal with daily. Oh, God. No, I, the, the grief is right now. Mm. And, and trying to help other people, like, realize, hey, you don't, don't, don't push this away. You know, on your, on your drive into work or while you're doing the dishes or when you go on a walk and you listen to us, um, just take a moment for yourself, right? Because it's like, seriously... It took me a decade or more to actually look at myself and go, you know what? I don't have enough relationships with the people I do this work with. Yeah. And I need more support. I'm a human being that has found identity in helping other people Mm -hmm. and studying it figuring it out and experiencing it. And that's a really complicated dynamic and process. I'm not a neutral facilitator. I'm not a neutral Mm. dispensary of help. I have to use my empathy to actually. Yeah. You can't control for your influence. Right. And, and then like, I I think what gets pushed, pushed on us is like, don't let your values impose on other people. Bullshit. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because a lot of the research shows my relationship with the, pe- with the person and our shared goals together are going to do most of the heavy lifting for outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, it's like 15% of my techniques are actually going to be the thing that caused change. So like, okay, my feelings matter toward this person. Mm-hmm. It's like all the Rogerian shit of... On a, uh, unconditional positive regard. Thank you. And my genuineness and my unconditional positive regard and my empathy is going to be a big part. That's, that's me. That is not the fucking master's degree. That's well, not the that, fucking license. That's those me. are some of the first clues that this was going to get really confusing to me. Yeah. When all of the elements start coming together and I'm studying social policy and I'm studying person centeredness and I'm studying, you know, like our code of ethics mm-hmm. and the conflicts start to pop up already in that. Right. right. I'm not supposed to be there, but I'm supposed to be genuine. 
<laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Genuinely what? Oh, God. I'm a genuine shell of a human. What? Right. Right. I'm just, I'm just one of those, fuck, was it June bugs that like, I just left my shell here to cling and I just took off. Oh shoot. Yeah. Just crunchy yeah. little guy. Yeah. I'm just hanging out here. You remember like the interview with Felicity when she was like, um, I'm not that person who's here to just go, I want the world to be healed. I am, I love people. I want to help. And she's just like, fuck, I got into this for me. Like, I needed to know me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's honest. Mm-hmm. Thank you. If I were honest, I would go, my family has had a lot of alcoholism. And guess what? Uh, I'm codependent. Ding, like, ding. I learn, I, I relearn and reiterate learning around, like, my boundaries every time I see a person. That sounds unethical. But it's also, like, just human. Oh, because I'm thinking about all the times that it shows up in my personal life. And I get that look from people like, are you okay? When I'm in, I'm going to get shit done. Mm. I have shit to do. Give me an example. Um, I have one from the past and I have one from the present. Because I just talked to my younger brother today. He's 22. And his best friend from high school, who's also 22 and has a baby, is mm. dying of cancer. Ugh. And... This one's hard because it's not directly personal for me. Like, I, I know her family. We're mm-hmm. from a really small town, but it's not my friend. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be cautious of how I coach my brother through the situation. Because he kept saying, like, I have to go and be strong. I have to go in there and be strong for her family. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that isn't a fucking point, dude. But, like, I feel the sense of my own personal one would probably be my brother-in-law got in a really bad car accident. And his, his leg was amputated. He's fine now. It's a couple years ago. Um, but even just getting that call and showing up to the hospital and the way that I feel, it's hard to give examples because it's an internal feeling. I don't really know what it looks like from the outside, but I know how other people react. And it's usually with kind of a raised eyebrow of, well, where'd you go? Because I can feel myself backing up and there's something mm-hmm. else that's at the front. And it feels, mm-hmm. it feels all, a lot of the things that I don't feel very often that I want to. It feels much more confident. It mm. feels much more focused. It mm-hmm. feels much more assertive mm-hmm. than I feel in my own, in me, who I actually am. So whatever this persona is that I can do. Push, pushing away uh, doubt, pushing away Absolutely. All of my insecure self mm-hmm. stuff. All of my scattered mm-hmm. brain shit. All of my like self-absorption. I'm in mm-hmm. my own head all the time. And this is a very much like separation well and it's me being much more present than i usually am in a lot of ways Mm. so it's both taking me away and leaning in yeah i mean it takes away the complications Mm -hmm. of it takes away complications but it also feels like it takes away humanity well because it fucks with my sense of identity to be able to say like right i'm i'm clutch in a crisis Mm -hmm. right i'm great at it right i mean how how often did you do that in crisis interventions. It was literally my, our job title. So daily. So you're really good at it. Really fucking good at yeah. it. Yeah. And that's messed yeah. up. Right. When, when uh, you get the whole uh, experience of like it's normalized to 
do a crisis intervention for 30 minutes, literally of screaming for 30 minutes and danger for 30 minutes and then told, okay, now do their intake. And I could. Like, do a, you've already done 30 minutes. Your body is, like, really revved up. Right. Fight or flight. I'm just a floating hey, head. I turn everything go ahead and, <laughs> down off. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> spend another hour with them, hour and a half with them, do all the intake paperwork. You've seen enough. You know they qualify. And I'm, I'm sitting there just numb, mm-hmm. you know, going, okay, <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then was I think you came into the office. You you came into my office and you go, "No, you're not doing yeah, that." Yeah, I remember standing there and looking at you and and <laughs> having that like <sighs> is, this, is it for me to say? Yes. I'm deciding it's for me to say. You're not doing that. I don't I don't care whose boss said you're doing it. You're not doing that. No. I had two feelings in that moment. I thought to p- sort of paint the picture, there was a young person Kicking and screaming like a banshee. She was drug in by, by her arms and legs by, yeah. like, her parent, by her family. She is, she is literally fight or flight. Like, she is in it up to, a, turned up to an 11, very little life in her eyes, and yeah, got, a, got a hold of our, our colleague's hair, and just instinctively, I grab her hair, too, to try to keep her from pulling it out. And I'm literally like three inches from this young person's face. She's screaming. I feel the heat of her breath and the spit on my face while I just sit there and I say their name calmly over and over. Just calmly saying something is incredibly incongruent from my insides. Yes. My insides it's that kind of stuff. are going, what the fuck? And my outsides are going, um, like Blake. I'm like that. Oh, not yeah. not her name, but uh, Blakely. No, there's a very Blakely. particular tone Blakely. to when I'm in this zone. Blakely. And then and then I noticed I noticed in the in, there was like one split second that life flashed into her eyes. She made eye contact with me. I said their name, and she let go, and and our colleague was able to get away. Like we were constantly having to creatively maneuver situations mm-hmm. that needed to be in spaces right. were far different than what we had. Well, and that, that is a prime example of how I know that if we actually talk together, if we actually mm-hmm. help each other, if we actually right. understand each other, we can make collectively change. all of this can be different. Right. Cause we, we did make change after that. Absolutely. As a team, we made change after that worth. Cause at the end of the day, no one can argue with what we, what we see, what we hear, what we know, what we do. It just is. We've just been told it doesn't matter. We've just been told that it's good enough, even if we know better. Well, and that's, I don't know, this example from today, because talking to my brother, I do, I go into like, there's a different tone. I slow down. Right. Because I usually talk pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I just like, it's so like mechanical. But if I feel mechanical while (laughs) I'm coaching someone through really strong feelings, it's so odd. Because I think there's two different experiences that you're talking about. There's one where you're just getting shit done. Yeah. And that feels more objectifying where it's like, I just have to check tasks off the list. Well, but then there's the also, moment. there's the in the right, moment that we have to do the stuff. The and in then the moment with mm-hmm. your brother though, is more of a, it's, I feel like it's motivated by more of an ethic of care. 
Like I am here. Borrow my strength. You don't have to be strong right now. Exactly, and that's pushing yourself aside or pushing your own like feelings aside of pain or angst or fear of death. But this is my brother. I don't have to go and then write it down in the terms that United Healthcare will most readily accept. <laughs> or any other health insurance. <laughs> I get to hang up and then just feel whatever I fucking feel about it. Right. And it's not because I think I got confused for a lot of years about like, it's not my feeling. And so I don't revisit it. It's someone else's thing. It's not mine. So I wrote it down and it's done. And in, in, in the episode before this, uh, I can't remember how many before it was this, but it was empathy like empathy versus compassion right. that was a huge thing for i just realized that this year of like doing like studying for my dissertation empathy is me mm-hmm. empathy is mine like i never i do not soak up other people's feelings other people's feelings influence my feelings yeah and they are mine and that's i think that's what you're talking about one well, i have to do i and that's why i'm just wired different than you i have to intentionally acknowledge that I am, I am being influenced by other people's feelings Mm -hmm. because I don't lead with that. Empathy isn't something that is right in my face in my particular system. Compassion makes sense a hundred percent. Empathy doesn't always make a hundred percent sense to me. I feel like your empathy and my empathy are very, like yours is cognitive, mine's emotional Mm -hmm. where I have to imagine myself in the place. I have affect um, uh, empathy first and you have cognitive where yep. you can you can men, like put a mental picture together of what that person's whole situation feels like or or is conceived of where mine is like from the center out like mine's from the heart out like it, it's like feeling what they feel in their body and then like going out from there and and it, like that's a, it's just something that I'm wrestling with this in this season is is knowing that the way that I am affected in this job you I cannot push my humanity away. If I do, I will get burnt out. If I do, I will not be prepared to cope with my life. Yeah. I will get pulled into the pain of all of this because it is my pain. It is not their pain that I am just sponging up. Well, and that's what I have to caution myself that it's not just imaginary pain for me. If I'm bearing this witness to it and I'm taking part of it, it's not just imaginary. Yes. Yes. Where, I mean, it's the same as like seeing a really sad movie and crying at a movie or even laughing at a movie. Did you, did, did their laughter just soak into your body? No. Right. Did their sadness just soak into your body? No, there's no water here or liquid here to actually soak up. This is communication. My receptors are getting sparked and it's making a physiological change inside of me. Mm -hmm. That is my pain. That is not their pain. I can't, and (sighs) guess what I do? I turn my ears off. I turn my eyes off. I turn all of the receptors off thinking, well, that's the way to stop. I mean, we're talking compassion (laughs) fatigue, burnout, all of this stuff, right? Where I become more jaded and, and less aware because I want to turn the volume of the shit off because I have too much already inside of me. And I, if I think that it's just, well, I've sponged up too much pain from them. Well, yeah, guess what? I'm not dealing with the actual thing that's happening inside of me. Right. It is my pain. Seeing the pain in the world is, is terrible. And also being willing to go into pain is my 
job. That's the thing I signed up for. It's the thing that I have identity around to go help people. And to do that, like swinging all the way back around for this advocacy thing, I mean, the pain in the world is terrible. And who's doing anything? And are we deluding ourselves into saying that what we're talking about, what we're dealing with every day, human suffering at our doorstep, that that's not political, that that's not, that we can separate out Mm -hmm. what we do or don't do about what's going on out here right? and the people that we help. Yeah. Really? Gotta do, gotta do something. And I'm hoping also to actually, like, as I'm growing in this whole, like, to figure something out to, to... Mm -hmm do a little bit more of like systemic change stuff, but I still don't have, like that's not a script that's been written for me to follow. Like I do need to find something to actually make that work, but I, I don't know. I'm hoping to find something like that. To Like with anything else that we want to change, we have to back up and examine what we already have. And I feel like that's also what hasn't been done and what we're trying to do. I think, I think too, like I have to normalize too, just the, the, stages of development for anything is to notice there's a problem to discuss the problem to be motivated to change it make a plan really go make the change like well, like part of our plan just, is more than just us in an echo chamber right in a room all the time <laughs> well everybody thank you for being here i hope this recording worked out and that this uh as always it's an yeah. experiment Thanks, Blakely. Thanks, Ben.